0: Morning. Uh, nice to be Spring, right? <laughs> yeah, it's really nice. Uh, my name is David Soren. I'm the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. Uh, good morning to you. Uh, we are concluding our Overwhelmed series this morning, and we're going to take a look at our third topic of the series, which is anxiety. Now, anxiety, as you know, has sort of become an enormous deal in the U.S. in really the last 10 to 15 years. Of workers that are just facing uh, just incredible amount of anxiety. Uh, parents are more anxious than ever about their babies, about toddlers, about their teenagers. Uh, I read one study <clears throat> that even said that the average high school kid today has the same level of anxiety as the average uh, psychiatric patient of the 1950s. This is just not an isolated issue anymore. Uh, there are many of you that are sitting here this morning, and you're just praying that God is going to help you this morning, with your anxiety. And my prayer is that this morning at least begins to point you in the right direction. Now, all three of these topics in our series uh, have significant overlap. I just want to take a minute and sort of explain that. And so if you look at this uh, diagram, anybody know what these diagrams are called? Venn Welcome to school, by the way. Uh, so here we go. We have a lovely Venn diagram we made for you. And here's our three topics. You have stress, which is just it's the mental or emotional tension because you've got demanding circumstances in your life. You've got fear. That's a response that you have to a a known and immediate threat that's coming your way. And then you have anxiety. And and anxiety is the response to the possibility that something might happen someday. And they're all sort of related. So let me sort of work this out for you. Uh, If you're at work, and let's say your boss gives you a really negative review, that might emotionally stress you out. Uh, it, you might even have fear that if you go into work tomorrow that you might get fired. And then let's say you don't get fired, you could still have this nagging anxiety for months, or maybe even years, that you're going to lose your job any day now. And so they're all sort of interwoven together as we face challenges. And so in dealing with them, we have to apply the biblical teaching really from all three of the messages in this series, not just one. And so think of this series as sort of one long message for how do you biblically deal with life when you feel overwhelmed. Now, anxiety is a bit more complex than these other two issues. And, and that's because there really are two different types of anxiety. Now, of course, there are more. I'm simplifying, but two major categories. There is a basic anxiety that every single one of us deals with from time to time. Uh, We might even more aptly call this worry. And then there is a clinical anxiety that many struggle with. A clinical anxiety might be uh, more characterized by things like panic attacks uh, or uh, certain phobias, or just a sort of a constant anxiety that almost seems to uh, cripple your daily living. And so before we go any further today, I just want to be incredibly clear on something. I am not a psychologist. I am not a doctor. I am a teacher of the Bible. And so I can, this morning, I can guide you uh, directly through what God's word says in in his word about anxiety. But I also just want to be really sensitive this morning to those of you that are sitting here today, and you're dealing with, with an anxiety that actually has begun to even cripple your daily living and has made it quite difficult. Now, I'm hopeful, if that's where you're at, I'm hopeful that this morning will be a a good start for you, maybe point you in the right direction. But if anxiety has gotten to a point in your life where it's begun to even take over your life, my guess is that the next 28 minutes aren't going to solve it. might be helpful, but won't be sufficient. And so if that's you, I think honestly one of the best things that you can do is to seek more help. It's to seek out a Christian counselor. I think everybody ought to get counseling at some point in their life. Uh, we can give you—if you're like, I don't even know where to start—we we can give you guidance on that. Uh, send me an email or a staff member or your house leader this week. Uh, we, I will work together with them to, to help you find someone that you can go and talk to that not only can give you good biblical advice, but can personally work through why is this becoming a stronghold in your life. But I still want to talk about how, how does anxiety— impact most of us, and then how do we biblically deal with it? Because it does impact uh, all of us. Uh, many of you in here know what it's like to have anxiety regarding uh, your own kids. I remember when our uh, twins were born uh, five years ago, uh, I just remember thinking, like, in the first few weeks that they were home from the hospital, I remember every night we would put them to bed, and I would just think, oh man, I hope they make it through the night. And I would just start thinking, oh, did, I, did I put the swaddle on right? Like, is it too, is it too close to their mouth? Like what if what if they were to suffocate? And what okay, well well, what is that? That that is that's anxiety. It's a general worry about the possibility of something happening someday. Many of you know what it's like to worry about your aging parents. And you think, will they be around? Will they be around to see my kids go to school? Will they be around to see my kids graduate? And what if they're not? That's anxiety. So it's not related to something imminent. You're not thinking, I'm worried about Friday. That's fear. Anxiety is just, what if, someday. Sometimes we even feel anxiety about nothing at all. We just feel anxious. And so how does the Bible say to deal with that? Because we have anxiety not about the health of our— not just about the health of our family members, but we have anxiety about our relationships, about our money, about our jobs, about all sorts of things. Uh, we're going to look at a number of different scriptures today, but primarily we're going to focus uh, on one of Paul's letters to the Philippians. Uh, if you want to follow along, there's a Bible under every chair. Uh, we're going to be on page 953. As always, we're just going to camp out on this text and extrapolate what God is saying. So It's just so important to have it in front of you so you can study the Word this morning. Uh, or you can use the Renovation Church app. You just have Bible in uh, weekly verses and look it up there as well. And so I'm going to read through this uh, whole passage on anxiety in Philippians and then we'll we'll walk back through it. So page 953 of Philippians chapter 4, and we'll start at that little number, verse 4. Here's what Paul writes. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Will be with you. So, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at four practical and biblical steps for dealing with anxiety. Let's start walking through them. Here we go. So, four steps. Step one is we have to acknowledge the worthlessness of worrying. And I encourage you to write this down so you can walk through these during your week and think about these four steps. So, look at verse six again if you have it in front of you. Paul says really clearly don't be anxious. About anything. So what things should you be anxious about? Nothing, right? Now, easier said than done, but that's the goal. The goal is that we begin to eradicate worry out of our lives. Jesus himself actually speaks, speaks at length about the worthlessness of worrying. So look in Matthew chapter 6. These are the words of Jesus Christ. He says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear, Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So Jesus is pretty clear here. Worrying doesn't actually accomplish anything for you. In fact, there was a study done a few years ago. I, I just love that they quantified this. Uh, they went through and they tracked everyone's worries and what they were worried about, and then they followed up on them. And what they found and they proved was 85% of the things we worry about never even happen. 85%. And so step one is we, begin, we have to start by acknowledging just what a colossal waste of time worrying is in our lives. And we got to do this because you and I, we are pretty good at rationalizing our anxieties. We say, okay, uh, okay, I uh, I know I can't stop thinking about this and I'm just worrying about what's coming up. I just have this anxiety, but, 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 is what we say. We say, but I'm not, I'm not really worrying. I'm more, uh, I'm problem solving, right? That's what I say. I'm just, I'm just playing out scenarios trying to fix the problem. Now that may be true for A minute, right? But beyond that, most of the time, you and I are not problem-solving. We're just playing out doomsday scenarios in our heads. So you got to ask, is all this time that I just spend worrying, is it worth it? In fact, there was a study done in 2013, and they asked uh, senior citizens if they could look back on their life, what was the number one regret of their entire life? When they compiled all the answers, they they uh, polled 1,200 people. And the number one answer, the number one regret was, I wish I hadn't spent so much of my life worrying. And so why do, I mean? So why do we even there in the first place? Or why do we have so much anxiety? Let's just, let's just try and dig a little deeper into our thinking. As usual, I'll be the guinea pig, and you just observe my painful life experiment, okay? All right, thanks. Uh, now, This is incredibly ironic, but I was feeling a bit more anxious than usual about delivering this message on anxiety this week. Because I know, as a pastor, that this is a topic that a lot of people struggle with, and I know that you're going to have high expectations for today for hearing something helpful. And so, as a human being, I felt anxious this week, about whether or not I could provide you with that or not. Okay, but what's underneath that anxiety? Now, fascinatingly, the Bible says usually what's underneath anxiety is pride. I, I don't think we often associate these two things. You don't look at someone who's, like, very anxious and say, that person's prideful. But the Bible says often what's under anxiety is pride— And that really, this is the second step of dealing with anxiety, is see the pride underneath your anxiety. Look at the scripture here. So, we're now going to go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter says this in chapter 5. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast, throw out all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. But just leave that off for just a second. In in the Greek, it doesn't translate quite as well grammatically in English, but in the Greek, those sentences are sort of together. And so it reads more like, humble yourselves by casting your anxieties on God. Okay, but why does it say that? I mean, why does it say, how how are you humbling yourself by casting your anxieties on God? Or, Or said in reverse, How exactly are we prideful by being anxious? Well, it works out like this. When we're anxious, and I'm thinking about the future, going, oh, man, I don't know how this is going to... When we're anxious, we're worried because we see ourselves having to figure it out, having to work it out. Or for a lot of us, we're anxious because we're imagining all these scenarios where things are going wrong, And thus, we won't be seen as perfect anymore. And thus, how horrible that would be. And see, both of those scenarios are just steeped in pride. And so, see, I'm anxious about delivering this message because I'm falsely thinking that it must be me who controls whether this is effective in your life or not. Well, what is that? Well, that's pride, right? And my image is apparently somewhat based in what you think of me in this message. Well, what is that? It's, see, it's, it's pride underneath the anxiety. Now, of course, it's not hun- settled down. It's not 100% of what I think, right? But that sort of thinking creeps into our lives all the time. Uh, Pastor Stephen Furtick says it this way. He says, often it's like God is saying, I'm not going to take away the anxiety until you begin removing the pride that carries it. Now, he says that pride... It's sort of like onions. Uh, if, if you, if you uh, say you don't like onions, right? You go to a restaurant. One of the first things you're going to do if you don't like onions on your McDonald's cheeseburger, right, is you're going to say, no onions. You're going to ask them to remove it. But what if you go to a nice restaurant and they're giving you some sort of sauce with your, I don't know, your pasta or something. And sometimes onions are an ingredient in the pre-made sauce that they serve you. See, anxiety is in the sauce called pride. And so when we can't stop thinking about what others might think of us, and when we're anxious and we can't stop trying to control everything, and when we're anxious and we can't just live in today and let God handle our future, our anxiety is actually just in the sauce called pride. Pride, And so if you want to get rid of the onions, right, you've got to throw out the sauce. And if you want to start dealing with your anxiety, one of the most counterintuitive things you have to do is you actually have to start examining your pride. Let's just work this out. See, the less that you can see yourself responsible for every situation, the lower your anxiety gets. The, the less you see yourselves as having to be perfect all the time, The lower your anxiety gets. The less that you're just intent on having it to do it your way, and the more you can just say, God, I'm just gonna surrender to your will, not mine, the less your anxiety gets. And so I don't care if you like this message or not. Right? I know it was the Lord's will for me to give it, and so I'm gonna deliver it. And that's okay. And I 90% believe what I just said, right? Okay, because I'm a human being. As C.S. Lewis once said, he said this, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And so when when you can begin to see pride at the root of your anxiety, you begin to think of yourself less. And that in turn begins to lessen your anxiety. All right, let's take a look at the third step. Third step is this. Turn your worries into prayers. So I want you to look again at, at, at verse 6 of Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So what does it say? Don't worry. Don't be anxious. But instead, in everything, pray. Are you worried about your marriage? Pray. Are you worried about a conversation that you had with one of your friends that just didn't get resolved or just went poorly? Pray. Pray. And then go talk to your friend, right? Think of it this way. Some of you, you just write this down. If you have time to worry, you have time to pray. If you have time to worry, then you have time to pray. If some of you really lived out this step, you would be praying three to four hours a day. It would just do miracles for your spiritual life. See, this is a really helpful spiritual discipline that you can begin to learn. When you feel worried when you start to just feel anxiety beginning to ambush your daily life, train yourself to turn worries into prayers. So let me give you just another practical example from my life. Uh, Sometimes as a parent, I feel anxious about how my kids are going to turn out when they're older. Right? And that seems kind of silly right now because they're five, five, and two. But I I look at them and I see their gifts and I see their strengths, but I also see— their weaknesses, I see where they're probably, like any kid, gonna have challenges when they get older. And sometimes my mind is just drifting to those future challenges. I'm just worried about what will happen. And so as I was just studying this passage this week, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit by how rarely I turn those worries into prayers. Like, they're, they're fairly continual worries in my life, but I'm not turning them into anything. They just come in, and they just sit in my mind, maybe even begin to sink into my soul. But what do the scripture say? It says in every situation, not one out of ten of your worries, 100%. In every worry, your objective is to turn that worry into a prayer. Now, think of Think of anxieties like a hat. Now, I'm not much of a hat wearer, so I didn't have any, but my a friend and fellow staff member, Ryan Speck, uh, has many, many hats, and so he let me borrow all of his Philadelphia Eagles hats, and I thought, this is a great representation. I'm sure this brought him a lot of anxiety in his life uh, <laughs> up till this year, I guess. And so, think of it this way. If, if anxiety is like a hat, and when you let anxiety come into your life and you put it on your head, right, and it just starts sinking, it's like a weight on your head. It's just sitting there, weighing on you. And so when I start worrying about my kids, right, and I'm just thinking about them, it's like, it's adding just another thing to my head, right, that I'm just putting on top, and I'm just worrying there, and I'm adding weight, right, and then, I, and then I'm like you, because I'm worrying about all sorts of stuff. I'm thinking, I start thinking about our future building, right, we're not, okay, well, I can't be that far away, but oh, it's 1.3 million dollars pledged, and Coming in, but what if people move away or people lose their jobs? And what if we don't raise the money? And all of a sudden, I just I'm just carrying right? I'm just carrying more anxieties in my life, and I'm just they're you know, just sitting there, right? And now I'm starting to worry what you think of me right now because I have so many hats on my head, and I just thought, oh man, they don't think I'm cool anymore, right? And now I'm just adding stuff to my life, and so what what the Bible is saying is that you know, your objective is to turn your worries into prayer. Remember what First Peter said. It said, actually, your objective is to cast your anxieties on God. And so this is what practical life works like as you battle just anxiety and worry when it comes in. So you feel a worry. So I think, um, I think, okay, I'm sending my kids uh, to kindergarten in the fall. And it comes in, and I just I am worrying again. I'm like, oh, what's going to happen? Are they, they going to make friends, or are they going to be okay? It's just immediately, when that comes in, my job is just to cast it off and say, Lord, I just—right now, I just pray that you take this. I don't need this on my head. You take this. And I turn it into a prayer. So I say, Lord, they're going to the kindergarten. May, you just, may your hand be on them. May you just use it. I turn—I don't let it sit. I turn it into a prayer. I cast it off. And so instead of you sitting in your life going, how am I going to pay the rent? I just don't know how the money's gonna come in. How are we gonna get out of debt? just, you don't, you don't just let it sit and weigh on you. You feel the worry and you just cast it off. You say, Lord, no, you take it. You take it. God, I just pray that you just help provide. You're a giving, Father, provide so we can pay the rent. You turn a worry into prayer. Instead of just sitting there going, ah, oh, you're lying in bed at night. Some of you wear a whole lot of hats when you lie in bed. That is uncomfortable, right? <laughs> And you just, oh, you're just thinking about this, and you're checking the clock. It's 1 a.m., and you're, you're thinking about this. And the Bible says, uh-uh, don't, no sitting, casting. No sitting, casting. You, that you would Say this when you're lying in bed at night. Say, God, I don't need to stay up all night worrying about the things that you are already working on. God, you, you're already working on it. Just cast it off to him rather than just let it sit. So that's, that, that is, that's step three, is you're turning your worry into prayer and casting on him. And if you do that, actually what begins to happen in your life is you feel lighter. You feel more confident in God because you're dependent on him and not just yourself working it out. And by the way, can you bring us back to the stage? Ryan would like that when that's done. Uh, so what, what begins to happen is those thoughts of anxiety actually begin to lessen because they learn that they don 't have a home anymore in your head. This is the promise of verse seven. Look at the next verse in Philippians Paul says, and then this is after you turn your worries into prayer, and then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Look at that word guard and so when you're you 're always just turning your worries into prayer, the scripture is saying it 's kind of a bit like putting a wall up around your heart and mind. It's learning like, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, this doesn't have a home here. That's not how it works in my life anymore. Now, you could still be sitting here and going, ah, yeah, David, but I'm kind of doing this. The worries come in, and I'm I'm trying to pray, but I just feel like to just keep coming. And that's where we just keep moving in the passage, and that gets us to step four. Step four is this. Speak truth to your past and future. Okay, hey, what does that mean? One of the things that I've noticed about anxiety is it has a funny way of sort of talking us out of reality. And often that starts with the past. And so I find that when we get ambushed with anxiety, is we often forget what's truly happened in our past. I find that those, are str- those that are struggling with anxiety often start speaking in terms of the past like this. They'll say, yeah, this has kind of always been this way. Yeah, it just never seems to work out yeah, my life has just kind of always been on this. See, God is really clear that part of the pathway out of anxiety is, to, is for you to speak truth into your past. Uh, verse 6 again, honestly, one of the most spiritually loaded verses in the entire Bible. It says that when you're turning worries into prayer, that you do so, it says, with thanksgiving. That's the idea of you're thanking God for what he's already done. And when you develop this habit and you're thanking God for what he's done in the past, it's a bit like the soap that begins to wash away the stain of anxiety. That's what thanksgiving is. Okay, so watch how we add another step to this. Let's pick a a general anxiety that people have. Uh, Maybe you're feeling anxiety about your own health, or maybe even a family member's health. Something that often just, like, sits with us. Okay, so you start with step one. You say, God, I I just— I've been worrying, and my worrying is getting me nowhere. It's not doing anything. It's worthless. And, and, and step two, God, I don't. Why am I trying to figure all this out? I, 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 that's just, that just doesn't even make any sense. And 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 step three, you turn the worry into a prayer. You say, God, I'm just going to pray instead of worrying because worrying doesn't accomplish anything. Lord, would you just begin to heal me? Would you just give the doctors wisdom from my son? You turn your worries into prayer, and then step four is you're speaking truth into your life, into the past and the future, and you start with the past, and you say, God, as I'm praying, I just want to thank you because you've already proven yourself worthy in my life. You saved me. You rescued me. God, you just start listening off. God, do you remember the time that you did this in my life? And remember when you did that? Do Do you see this? Do you see how truth actually begins to wash away anxiety? it helps you see that okay okay i don't i don't need to keep worrying and worrying because he was faithful to me then he'll be faithful to me now that's why verse 6 says when you're turning your worries into prayer you always add it with thanksgiving with thanksgiving and then maybe even more importantly you speak truth not only to your past but to your future because we can't spend all this time 85% of our time worrying about, th- or, or, or worrying about 85% of things that aren't even going to come true. Now look at verse 8 again. Finally, brothers, look at the positive here. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, eight things there, think about such things. But the problem is a lot of us in our thought life, we're not thinking about such things. We're anxious people, and we kind of get caught more of what we're thinking about as this dystopian future that is our life of everything going wrong. And Paul's saying, "That's not, no, that's not the hat that should be on your head. Don't let that weigh on your head. Instead, what you can do is speak truth to those anxieties before they enter into your mind again. Okay, so maybe you have this, this worry, right? And it comes on your head and you pray it off, right? You turn your worry into prayer. And he's saying, it's not just that. It's that when, when you feel it coming back around, right? It's circling back around. It's trying to get on your head again is that you're speaking truth at that point. 2 uh, Corinthians says this, uh, chapter 10, verse 5. Paul says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought, to make it obedient to Christ. And so before the anxieties even settle into your mind, you have to speak. take it captive and speak truth. Why? Because your life is shaped by your thoughts. We did an entire series on this concept. You can look it up on our website if you want. Back in 2012, it was called Mind Control Because Jesus in the Gospels so clearly teaches that the fruit of your life, whether good or bad, is only just a product of what's going on in your heart and what's going on in your mind. And so much of anxiety is just the exact opposite of all those eight things that Paul just listed in verse 8. Like when we're in anxiety, it's because we're focusing on all the things that are false, not on what Paul said, all the things that are false. True. And so when you, let's say you've prayed it off and you feel it coming back around, right? And it feels like it's starting to get to your head again. That's where you say, oh, uh, 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 uh. I hear I am worrying about the future and and, and and everything going wrong. Say, wait, wait, I'm just going to speak some truth here. And the truth is that God is in control. God is in control of my future. Okay? So just just don't even rest on my head. So when anxiety has you feeling the opposite of those eight things, you're feeling unlovely, and you're going, I'm just such a—we do this sometimes. We just get in these moods. We're like, I'm such a mess, right? If people just only knew I'm just—my life is a wreck. It looks like I'm all great on the outside, but it's just a—and you're thinking just sort of all these unlovely thoughts, right? And that's leading to anxiety. It's coming in. You just—it's it's the stopping this time before it's even resting. You say, I'm going to speak truth, The scriptures call me to focus on whatever is lovely. And the truth is, what is lovely is, the Bible says that God is so in love with me, and he's seen all of my sin, and he never stops thinking about me, and he demonstrated his love for me, and that while I was still a sinner, he sent his own son for me. That's the truth, and so please stay off my head. He's speaking truth. Right, This is Faith. It's sort of the essence of faith. You move from doubt and worry about the future to believing God for the future. And then there's this promise for you in in, in verse 9, the last verse of our passage. Paul says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And then what happens if you do all of these things? And the God of peace, so the opposite of anxiety, will be with you. In fact, before I step off the stage this morning, I, I wanted to give you a, a prayer technique to put into practice this week, to try out, because I believe that the battle against anxiety not only happens in just living out these sort of four steps in real time when it's happening, but also just practicing the rewiring of your brain when you're not in the thick of it. And you can do that through prayer. This is the transforming of your mind that Romans twelve one and 2 talks about. So I encourage you to write these steps down uh, in your notes, in your app, uh, in your bulletin. Even if you just want to get your phone out, we'll put it on the screen here, and you can just take a picture of it. That's fine. You can do that here, and then you can help remember it for this week. So You don't have to be embarrassed. Oh, my pride. I just got—there you go, right? Okay, so four minutes of prayer to fight anxiety. You can try this every day this week, even. Just sit down. I'm going to pray for four minutes. You take the first minute, and you start with confession. I'm going to confess my worries to God. You start, God, I've been spending all day long just worrying about this, and I'm going to confess to you that that is a waste of my time. And maybe you even throw in the pride piece here, and I'm going to confess to you that I've been trying to figure it out in my own strength. Confession is really powerful in prayer. All right, just spend a minute doing that. Second minute, you turn your worries into prayer. That's what verse six is talking about. Okay, God, I was worrying about this, but now I'm going to ask you, not me, I'm going to ask you, God, would you move in this? Would you make a difference in this? You move to the third minute, and now you're thanking God. This is part of the discipline. Remember, thankfulness is sort of the soap that begins to wash away the stain that anxiety has in your life. God, I just want to thank you that I, that I have a house. I want to thank you that I have a job, that you provided that for me. I want to thank you that I have this. And you just, It's just such an important spiritual discipline. And then in the fourth minute, you praise God for something he can do in your future. And this is all these steps sort of woven into a prayer method. And you say, God, I'm just going to praise you because I know you can do this. Or God, I'm going to praise you for the future because even if you do it in a way that I would have never thought of or I don't even like, I trust that your way is best. Now, you aren't going to do this one day and be cured. And I said, for some of you, for some of you, this is just the beginning. Right, Your next step is to just seek out a Christian counselor and begin to work through this more personally for your life. But I believe for so many of you in this room, if you sort of begin this discipline, even this practice of prayer, you will see a difference in your life. This is a battle. For most of us, this is a lifelong battle. But I believe that if you follow the scriptures, you will, and God will, give you more and more freedom in this. Because he can do that. Let me pray. God, I thank you so much for just your word, that you, your word is so big and so grand and so powerful, and yet, God, it is just so practical. And that here we are 2,000 years later, and you're just giving us direction, God, for how to live our lives. And we're just we're so grateful for that. And I just pray over this church, the people of Renovation Church this morning, that you would, God, as they just sit down this week and pray, that you would begin to just unwind the tangles that anxiety has put on their heart. We know you can do that, and we just ask that you do that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.